Good morning, Hope Covenant Church. Pastor Brian here. This is Stories of Hope. And uh, this morning, I have the pleasure to sit again for the second time with Suzanne Isaacson. And uh, so actually, just a a bit of context. Uh, The uh, uh, podcast or the Stories of Hope that we did with Suzanne, what was this, what, four weeks ago now? Time is totally irrelevant to me. I know. it was received so well by the congregation and at the same time, the technology did not work for us to record it. And so we have received at least a dozen requests over the last four weeks for people to hear a story of hope from Suzanne. Really? Yeah. So we knew that we needed to uh, drag Suzanne back into our recording studio and give this one a second shot. So this is Suzanne Isaacson, Stories of Hope. Again, the, the context of Stories of Hope is that these are opportunities for us to hear from real people at Hope Covenant who have experienced the work of Christ in life, have experienced the hope of Christ in very real ways. I have. And so Suzanne is going uh, to be a blessing. And I can say that with confidence because I've already done this once already. <laughs> <laughs> so I know, I can forecast with confidence that this is going to be a blessing. So, Suzanne, let's begin with just some basic biographical. Tell us a little bit about who you are. Tell us a little bit about your past, your history. Um, tell us some kind of fun things about, uh, about you that we wouldn't probably normally know just by a casual conversation with you. All right. Well, I was born in Sauk Center, Minnesota. Um, lived there, but I lived in a little town northwest of St. Cloud called Holdingford for my early years and our family moved to St. Cloud when I was in third grade and then I lived the rest of my youth in St. Cloud. Would it be fair to to ask you your middle name or would we not want to go there? Well I was gonna say I'm the youngest of five children. Okay. My uh, I have a sister who's the oldest three brothers and then me Um, and I was born on December 30th so I almost was a New Year's baby and they named me Suzanne Marie Concer. And uh, is that a family name, Marie? It was my mom's middle name. And so I have found out since that my name, Suzanne, means grace, Mm. which I did not know would be my life story. So um, my dad was an identical twin with his brother, which was kind of fun, made for some interesting moments as a child Mm. at times because you couldn't tell them apart. Um, My dad was very mechanical and engineering gifted. He started a business with his twin brother. Um, They first started welding farm equipment, and then it grew and changed and finally evolved into making specialized stainless steel equipment for holding different kinds of liquids, makeup companies for pharmaceutical companies, Mm. stuff like that. And they're still in business, and it's called DCI. I think I asked this question to you. Uh, when you uh, gave us your birth date uh, the first time we did this, uh, what Christmas is like for you with a birthday that's so close to Christmas? Well, if you remember, I said I'm still bitter and praying through that. That is true. <laughs> yeah, you're still in the process of <laughs> sanctification on that yeah. one. <laughs> <laughs> Having to share. This is your birthday and Christmas gift together. <laughs> now, has Ed done anything uh, to help with that? I was going to say my family has been very good to make them different but i also give them the benefit they can buy gifts for me after christmas for half off that's true (laughs) Uh, my mom was a former school teacher at when they had one room country schools 
She was the oldest girl of nine siblings living on a farm during the Depression. So she had a lot of responsibility at a young age. She married my dad at 32, which was old for that um, period in history, and uh, had us five children, five of us in seven years. That's amazing. <coughs> yeah. Well, kind of because of that, my mom was just plain worn out <laughs> by the time I came along, and so I was cared for for the first six months of my life um, by the pastor's wife mm. in town. But over the years, um, my mom did enjoy singing and sewing and uh, writing poems. Hmm. And uh, church was a main aspect of her life, too. So speaking of church, growing up, our family's um, life centered around the church. Both of my parents were believers in Christ, and that is a huge blessing. Um, I grew up in Assemblies of God Church till my uh, junior year of high school. And I loved being in church. I loved all the enthusiastic music, the heartfelt singing, uh, the long times of prayer and altar calls, the fiery preaching, um, which, by the way, included the pastor's wife playing background music during the sermon. Oh, that's right. I remember this On part. the yeah. organ. And if, if the pastor made a big point, it was, hit those <laughs> <laughs> organ keys to add emphasis to it. <laughs> And so um, there was just an excitement of going to church, never knowing what was going to happen yeah. in the one-and-a-half to three-hour-long uh, service. So, um, And if there were special meetings, we were in church every night of the week yeah. for up to three hours. I'm so. curious if the pastor's wife ever, like, misinterpreted her husband's <laughs> preaching and, like, like prematurely hit the keys or it wasn't the right moment and the, and the, the husband's like, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. I don't recall that interaction between them, but it would be interesting to hear their conversations behind the scenes. I'm sure. A little debriefing afterwards. Yeah. <laughs> you know, one of the things you talked about is being raised by the pastor's wife. Could you give me an example of what that, what that actually looked like? What did that mean? I don't exactly know. All um, my parents told me was that my dad would take me to the pastor's wife in the morning when he went off for work, and um, I would be there all day, and he would, um, I think, pick me up every night. I don't hmm. think I stayed there, but I'm not sure. Okay. And how long of a season was this? Six months. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. So... Yeah, in my uh, junior year of high school, my parents left the Assemblies Church because of some difficulties. And uh, so in my senior year, when I was visiting a friend who I'd gotten to know from this new church, I was introduced to her brother. He uh, came into the house dirty from head to toe with grease stains on his clothes and his face and uh, because he'd been working on some motor in the garage. But I do remember he had the brightest blue eyes, mm. and of course that was Ed. Yeah. So. And, and what year are we talking about? Oh, that was 1975. Okay. Yeah. And so you met him in 75. I was a senior in high school, okay. dating a college man. Yeah. Oh. I want to let my kids do. That. Yeah, <laughs> things have changed. The turn, the tables have turned. <laughs> they have. Um, we dated, and two years later, Ed and I were married over MEA weekend mm. after he had graduated from St. Cloud State and got his first teaching job. Um, we moved quite a bit in the 
few, the early years um, due to job changes, and we landed finally in Crookston for five years where our first child, Ruth, was born, then our first son, Eddie, and then our next son, Stephen. So I had three children born in five years, so that kept me out of trouble. Yeah. Um, the five years in Crookston, though, ended up to be years of turmoil because Ed's jobs kept changing because of different reasons. Hmm. And then our first son's birth ended up changing our lives yeah. forever. Um, during Eddie's birth, uh, he lost oxygen at some point and uh, had seizures within 12 hours of birth. Hmm. And uh, by the time he was a year old, we would discover that he was going to be severely handicapped for the rest of his life. Yeah. And so this began a journey of discovering about a world we knew nothing about, and uh, but where we would see God's grace in it all. Yeah. And I will share yeah. about that a little bit yeah, later. Yeah, that's, that's coming. Yeah. Um, when you look back at even just, you know, your childhood, I mean, you have a lot of unique experiences in your upbringing, but is there a defining moment? Is there a time when, um, again, it just stands out to you as kind of a, a key moment for you in those years? Um, I would say when I was five, six, seven years old, uh, probably at Vacation Bible School, I remember distinctly hearing that Jesus wanted to be my best friend and would love me always no matter what. He'd forgive me always. He would never abandon me. And uh, that just appealed to me so greatly um, because I was hungry for unconditional love mm -hmm. and acceptance. Um, there was a lack of it nurturing at our home, not absent of it, but there was a lack of that. And by nature, um, I was shy mm -hmm. child. And, uh, and I really did want to understand more about this Jesus who who was God, but wanted to be my friend. Yeah. And uh, so on a very simple level, I asked Jesus to come live in my heart that day and began a walk with God and his son um, for the rest of my life. Do you remember any details about that moment? Like, uh, you know, where were you? What did the room room look like? I'm just curious, what kind of what kind of details can you remember from that? Yeah, I can I can see the the sanctuary in in my head, but that's about it. I just yeah. I remember just having that moment of realization hmm. that I wanted to do that. Hmm. Um, there's a scripture in Psalm 71 that says, O oh Lord, you alone are my hope. I have trusted you from childhood. From birth I have relied on you. From my mother's womb you have cared for me. No wonder I am always praising you. And to me that is my story. Yeah. You've talked about some people that were influential in your life. Um, can you just kind of name that? Can you kind of name the people who you, as you look back and say, yeah, these are people that really made a significant difference in who I am today? Yeah. Uh, I couldn't narrow it down to one, so I did pick four, and I will be brief yeah. about it. But in my childhood, it would have been my dad. He was gentle and quiet, loving, smart. He was a servant heart, um, faithful to his family, faithful to walk with God. And I have this beautiful memory of my dad sitting at the ta kitchen table every morning with his Bible open, having his time with God, and, and I knew that he was praying for his family. And he couldn't have given me a greater gift than demonstrating to me at such a young age that he was depending on God each day early 
in his day. And then um, musically, um, my piano teacher named Sherry was a married Christian lady who couldn't have children of her own because mm -hmm. she'd had polio as a child. Um, I had her as a teacher because um, she taught elementary music in St. Cloud till she retired. And then she led the children's music at our church, so I got to know her there. And then she ended up moving next door to me um, during my high school years, and I ended up taking piano and voice lessons from her for that's several years. That's really convenient to have your piano teacher right next door. <laughs> it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> and during such an important age in my life, she kind of took me under her wing and uh, encouraged me that I had to give musically when I didn't think I did and uh, just became a friend to me, um, and that was huge. Mm -hmm. And then the person who influenced my spiritual walk was introduced to Ed and I about 12 years ago, um, Pastor Ron. We, when we ran into former French, he invited us to their church's Wednesday night Bible study that summer. Our church didn't have one, so we went. We got hooked um, that first night. Um, we had never heard anyone who loved the Bible, knew the Bible, and explain the Bible so well and so deeply. And so two years later, with all our kids out of the house, and Ed and I still hungry to know God better, uh, we began attending the church that he pastored. Hmm. And so for the last 12 years, we have continued to study with him, and he has helped us learn so much about God, what he's like, how he works, what he desires from us. And I've learned how to study the Bible for myself. Um, not just for knowledge, but what I learn inspires me to love Jesus more mm -hmm. and to get to know him and the Father better and then to share that um, with others. And so there's so much to learn in God's word, and that's yeah. exciting. Yeah. And then uh, last of all, I have a friend who has been loyal and faithful to me mm. The longest. And we're going to put friends in quotation marks. <laughs> okay. Because <laughs> you know who it is. It's my husband, Ed. <laughs> um, I am grateful for Ed's heart uh, that cares for the underdogs, the overlooked people in this world. I love his sense of humor. It's gotten us through some tough days and nights. Um, I appreciate his faithfulness to me and our kids, his care for our family through many acts of service, many of them motor-related. Um, he's been my encourager. It's a privilege to walk with God together with him. And, uh, and he's also taught me the importance of reaching out to others in friendship and conversation and how to do that. And then he's added adventure to my life. I never knew I would enjoy fires and being mm. on the water, trail riding, camping, peanut butter, miracle whip, Pickle sandwiches. Yeah, I haven't tried that one yet. That one, that one hasn't quite made our menu for some strange uh, reason. Yeah, no, it's very good. Um, World War II history, finding motor parts in my kitchen, and there's just so many adventures. Uh, James 1.17 says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. And Ed truly is a good and perfect gift for me from our Heavenly Father. In fact, all four of these people have been gifts to me, plus so many others who have invested in my life over the years. I remember, again, going through this the first time with you, you had kind of kept him hidden. I mean, you called him a friend, and 
And we just weren't quite sure where you were going to go with that. If Ed would make the list <laughs> with these four people, I'm like, oh, and Ed's sitting there in the congregation. I'm like, I, I really hope this friend is Ed. <laughs> it was. I have known him longer than even my parents. Yeah. So. Well, and I, um, I reflect back on your statement about your dad at the table. And I tend to do my devotions in bed when I first wake up. Mm. And my kids don't see that. Yeah. And it's not because you do it for show. No. But there is an element of formation and things being caught and not necessarily taught. And so I've thought a lot since we did this the first time just about um, just how my kids, are, what, what are they picking up? And sometimes that's a really humbling reflection because I think there's a lot of things that my kids are probably picking up that I don't necessarily want them to pick up. And so I just really, uh, I was blessed by kind of reflecting on that that kind of testimony from you and, and from your father. So That's I, neat. I appreciate yeah. that. Yeah. Visual is good. Yeah. I also had a piano teacher. She wasn't nearly as influential for me, <laughs> but here's what she did. She would always call me honey. And as a, like an, an emerging adolescent, I was like, uh, why are you calling me honey? Like I just did, but every like, oh, honey, that was so good. You played that so, honey, that was just amazing. I'm like, I don't know why you're calling me that. So anyways, that was, that was another trigger for me that I just was reflecting on as I'm listening to your well, story. Well, you know, I've heard that when people use a name like that for everybody, that's because they can't remember your name. <laughs> well, that could have been it. That very well could have been it. Suzanne, if you were to go back and tell your younger self something, now that you've lived uh, the life uh, that you've lived and, and learned all the things you've learned, if you were to go speak back to your high school or your middle school self, what are some things that you would have told yourself? I think the main thing I would have told myself is you are dearly loved by the God who created you and enjoy being who he made you to be, um, becoming the person God's created you to be, and don't concern yourself with opinions of people who don't love you. Um, there's a verse in Psalms 118.8 that says, it is better to trust the Lord than to put confidence in people. Mm. And uh, that's a good reminder to me. It's a very good reminder. Suzanne, who, who, this is kind of an odd question out of context, but we've been talking about this on and off, the identity of Jesus. Who, who is Jesus? Because I will set up our next question, but in, in your reflection, who is Jesus? Well, first of all, he is my Savior. He is my Lord, even though I wrestle with him sometimes about that. And he is my closest, most loyal, faithful, and trustworthy friend. Uh, I love this scripture in John 15, 15. Um, it records something that's amazing to me. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, I no longer call you servants. Instead, I have called you friend." For everything that I've learned from the Father, I have made known to you. And that is amazing to me every time I read that, that the God who created this vast universe calls me, calls you, friend. Mm -hmm. It kind of blows your mind when you really kind of sit with it. There's a, there's a degree that kind of goes beyond the imagination on that. Yeah, I, it does. So the, this sets up then the next question then is where or when have you encountered the hope of Christ in your life? And you've alluded to a little bit of this as you kind of talked about some things with your family. Can you kind of flesh that out for us? Where and when have you encountered the hope of Christ? Well, first of all, regularly I have encountered the hope of Christ throughout my whole life. Mm -hmm. But there are two major events that were life-changing. And um, the first was the birth of our first son, Eddie. 
and then his death and after that. Um, I already told you basically what happened at Eddie's birth. Um, it was uncertain, though, how the lack of oxygen as birth would affect his life, so we were hope hopeful that there wouldn't be much um, from that, but um, we were told at an extensive one-year evaluation that Eddie would be severely handicapped mentally and physically, which would make him function around a three to six month old age, um, physically and mentally. And we were stunned by the reality of that. This was not a life we had imagined, definitely weren't prepared for. We were young. I was only 22 um, when this happened. And uh, of course, Ed and I wrestled with the why God, where are you God? How will we do this God? Um, the questions that everyone faces in times like this. Um, but I clung to God and what he said and promised in his word continually. That's why when you hear me giving scripture verses, it's the center of my life. That's mm -hmm. where I, I uh, it's my anchor. Mm -hmm. And at one point early on, I remember telling God, I can only handle this if I know that you love me because everything in my life didn't seem to show that. And so I went on this quest to find as many scripture verses I could that told me about God's love from the Old Testament through the New Testament. And I'll just give two of them. The Psalms have so many. Um, but Psalm 52 says, I trust in God's unfailing love, unfailing love forever and ever. In your name, God, I will hope for your name is good. And then you go to the New Testament and there's a beautiful section of verses in Romans 8, 35 through 39 that end with nothing can separate us from the love of God that it is in Christ Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so those times in God's word became sweet times with the Lord and gave me the strength to keep going and persevere in, in life through the struggles we would face with Eddie's condition and times of low income because of job changes. I took encouragement, Ed took encouragement from the stories of Joseph and Job and Paul and others in scripture whose lives did not turn out as they expected. People who were not being punished, but were being tested mm -hmm. by God, and, and that was good for us to see. Mm -hmm. So um, 2 Corinthians 4 became meaningful to me during those years as I would look at Eddie and his limitations. It says, therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we, our bodies, are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what we see is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal in my mind and again went to even that next section with the jars of clay and yeah. you have this this the image of an ordinary pot with cracks in it and yet those cracks uh, illuminate the light that is from within I mean that's the metaphor there and so as you continue to describe kind of your journey with with little Eddie that I continue to have that image as well which is connected to that text you just read yeah yeah and you know, because of the many losses we experienced with Eddie, 
um, Ed and I experience a sweetness in life. Um, we appreciate things that many people just take for granted, and that is just a huge benefit for us, too. Um, the second um, main uh, challenge I faced was when Eddie was 10 and a half. He died suddenly in our home on May 1st. And as sudden deaths often affect the family that are left, I was emotionally numb in a state of shock for a while. It lasted about six months. Um, for, because I think for a while there was a sense of relief from the endless hours and years of caring for Eddie day and night. And uh, also that he wasn't suffering anymore. Mm -hmm. He was whole with Jesus. Um, but finally, the emotions hit me that December, and I went on a long journey of learning to deal with the emotions of grief and anger and depression um, that were overwhelming at times. Mm -hmm. But through all this yuck, is what I call it, God did provide. He provided a counselor for me and our whole family who specialized in grief, um, because really our whole life with Eddie had been a grieving process of hopes that um, would never be. And uh, we experienced an unusual grief that most people could not relate to and identify with. And uh, our parents tried to help us in some ways, but they didn't quite know how to do it sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, we didn't ha have one particular person or family member or even a church that walked beside us through this whole process, um, as some do. But yet, at just the moment when we would reach the end of our hope or strength, God would bring encouragement mm. and uh, someone to meet that need. Just a couple examples. I had a neighbor who took it upon herself to send me a humorous card once a week mm. for a whole year um, to help me smile. I had a lady I hardly knew from a former church who took David, who was only two at the time, uh, one day a week so I could have some rest because I still had three kids to take care of. And um, there are so many more stories of people that God brought into our lives for a brief time to show God's grace to us and uh, give us hope. Hmm. So. And I, I uh, the first time we did this, I kind of fumbled around the text because I, at the moment, I didn't have it word for word, but Again, when I was listening to you, this text from 2 Corinthians as well, chapter 1, Praise be to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any troubles with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. I love it. And I just, every time I hear you tell that story, I can't, I can't get away from, from this text. Mm. And just watching... Um, your testimony of God's movement in you and how God has used that to amplify his goodness to others. That is my prayer, because uh, we have prayed that we not become bitter um, because of what happened, um, but that God would, he restores, God restores, and he brings um, good out of tough things. Yep. Tough things. Well, I, I again, I appreciate I think one of the things that I appreciate about this particular story with you is that there is an element where, you know, you threw, you're, you're illuminating your story with scripture. And I appreciate that. Um, 
so I, I'm going to use the image. To some degree, there's a cleanliness to your story in the fact that, oh, you know, you think about grace and joy, and so here's some scripture. And yet I also really appreciate the depth of the journey that you've been on. Mm-hmm. And so you've used the word muck. I mean, there, <laughs> there's muck in your story. Yeah. It's not a, and so I, I love the juxtaposition of, of those two things. Suzanne, when you, uh, this is kind of the closing question, You've been a really valued member of this of this family. Your contribution in worship, your faithfulness, your articulation of scripture. I love the emails that you send me uh, where you remind me of some sort of truth or you uh, draw my attention to something that someone else is doing that could better what we do here. I really appreciate that. When I see Sue, Sue Isaac, Suzanne Isaacson come in my inbox, I get excited. Um, well, that is good to know. That is good to know. <laughs> uh, what are some of the things that you hope then for Hope Covenant moving forward? Well, first of all, I, I think of John thirteen thirty five, where Jesus says, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And that's one of the things Ed and I noticed right away um, is that this is a loving and caring place here. And so that is a good thing and that just needs to continue because that will draw people in and then I also see this church's role as a place of equipping all who come here Um, we need that through your preaching through bible studies small groups family events children's programs having a place and a time to worship together on Sundays, hopefully mm-hmm. <laughs> soon. Yeah, when we, did this pod, when we did this podcast a month ago, the world was very different. Yes. So much has was. changed in four weeks. Yep. And we need, as, as a congregation, we need that equipping so we can go out and use the gifts God has given each of us and tell the stories that we have of God's provision in our life. And it's beautiful because we each have our own unique stories that can bring hope um, to those who need it. And um, then the second thing, um, desire, comes from Psalm 78, one of a a favorite passage of mine. The writer is encouraging the people to listen to his teachings, which are lessons from Israel's past that have been handed down through generations. And he he goes on to say, he says, we will not hide these truths from our children, but we'll tell the next generation about the glorious deeds of the Lord. We will tell of his power and the mighty miracles he did. And then he concludes with these words, so that each generation can set its hope anew on God and remember his miracles and obey his commands. And... uh, Then one last verse, Psalm 137 says, Hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is unfailing love and an overflowing supply of salvation. I think what greater message is there for a church than to say we have hope in the Lord, there is unfailing love through him, and there's overflowing supply of salvation. Well, that text about to the next generation, I mean, that, that deeply resonates with me and just the, the importance that we continue to uh, to anchor ourselves in the tradition of what God has done and make sure that we find uh, the most impactful way, Holy Spirit-led, to pass that on to the next generation. Um, I, I just think that's just 
a huge call uh, on the yeah. church. And maybe something that we haven't always done very well. And so there's always this angle of saying, Holy Spirit, how do we continue to understand uh, the next generation so that your hope, which is constant and eternal, can really deeply resonate. So uh, I love I love that you brought that into it. And I love that's your hope because that's that's where I continue to hope that we as a church can continue to be um, strong and, and carry on. Yeah. And Ed and I took these scriptures many years ago when we discovered them as a family. Mm-hmm. How do he and I pass on that hope to yeah. our kids yeah. and grandkids? And yeah, it's a huge responsibility. Well, Suzanne, you proved again that even though we record this a second time, <laughs> it was authentic, genuine, and a huge blessing. So thank you for your story. Thank, for, thank you for sharing that and, and offering it as a gift for us. And I'm excited that we can uh, put this in a place where people can receive it and, and hear it and be encouraged. So thank you. Susan. You are welcome. God is good. All the time. So that's a wrap for this Stories of Hope. Uh, this will go out on Monday. Then we'll have podcasts Tuesday and Thursday. And then we will be doing our Hope Live on Sunday. This is being recorded on Saturday before Palm Sunday. So we are super excited to be together for Palm Sunday. And we anticipate the celebration of the resurrection on Easter. So signing out from Hope Covenant. See you Sunday. This is a postscript on today's story of hope. Uh, This is Pastor Brian here. Uh, I inadvertently interrupted Suzanne and her uh, storytelling of her kind of background and story. Uh, She wanted to communicate that she has a fourth child. I did not allow her to get to that point. So for the record, uh, Ed and Suzanne have had four amazing children.